judge a person and it turns out you didn't have the whole story? Ever learn there was a lot more to that story than you first realized? I'm Kimberly. And I'm Rebecca. Join us as we separate the little lies from the big reputations. Welcome back, everybody. Welcome back. How are you? I'm doing good. I'm doing I'm I'm doing better than I think earlier in the week. It was just last week was chaos. How are you? Um, I'm good. I'm supposed to tell the story of the car rental. You are, yes, that's right. The car rental story. But it's been so long. Let's see if I remember all of it. Um, so me and my husband went to California, went to the Bay Area and rented a car. We got a Dodge Charger. That's random. Like, I've never seen that as a rental car. But no. Cool, cool, cool. And, and like, he's just like zipping up the highway and it makes like the most noise. So it just felt like very fast, <laughs> very furious. I was like, I don't love this car, but sure, whatever. Um, but like Kias are getting like stolen a lot in like all over the country because apparently they have like a thing where you can like break into it with like a USB drive. Oh, so when okay. we went to Milwaukee, I but Kia Soul is my favorite car, and I was like, "Let's get a Kia Soul." And they're like, "Are you staying in the area?" And I was like, "Yes." And they're like, "We will not rent you that." And I was like, "Oh, okay." So I didn't think anything with a Dodge Charger. So cut to us like Wednesday morning, smack dab in the middle of our trip. We're coming up the little staircase um, from our Airbnb, and we're going to the we're going to do like Chinatown today. Yeah, okay. So we're going, and my husband just goes, "Where are you going?" And I was like to the car and he's like, are you? And I'm like, what? And I look over and the car is gone. So I was got like, jokes. <laughs> yeah, I guess because he was just so stunned. So I'm like, where did you park it? Did our host move it? Like not thinking of any. Like, did she put it in the garage? Because she has like a garage, but I feel like she uses it for storage because I don't think she has a car. That was a, a whole thing of conversation. We couldn't figure out if she had a car or not. So we're just like, um, what the fuck is happening? Maybe. So we go back down to... um the like our airbnb is like one direction is uh our like little guest cottage and one is like where the host lives okay so she's at home but our son is home and i'm like at the top of this like embankment kind of so i can't really hear them but i can see them and like my husband knocks on the door and the sun comes out and feel like points and the sun just like grabs his head both hands flat on the top of his head like and makes like an O face. Like it's just like <laughs> not oh, the good kind of. Not o. the good kind, yeah. So he's like, oh, you know, basically the conversation was like, could we have been towed? And he was like, no, of course not. And it's like our car was stolen then. And this guy's just like, what? So like cut to us going to well, first trying to call the police station and being on hold for like 45 minutes while my husband called the rental car company to be like, what do we do? So then we just were like, let's just fucking go to the Oakland County Police Department. So we did that. And the first person who started to help us was this like really old, surly man. And I was like, we're not going anywhere. He's the worst. I just was like, we're, we're not going to, this is not going to be handled great because yeah, like, yeah, cops yeah. suck no matter where you go. I'm like, I don't mm-hmm. want to do this, but like we have to, because you need to get a police report to uh, report the car stolen with the rental car company and then maybe get a new car. So my husband's like, yeah, this is all going to be settled by one. And it's like 1030. So I'm like, sir, the fuck are you talking about? Like, it's not. You're insane. It's not going to be settled by one. (laughs) So then this like awesome, awesome lady cop comes up and she's just like, next. And she's like, you need this, this and that. Go fill out those forms, then come back to me. She takes our forms and she's like, okay, boom, boom, boom. Here you go. And then she looks at me and she goes, did you guys lose anything? And I was like, just like a pair of sunglasses and like my favorite sweater. And she gave me 
the most, I feel that, I feel that. <laughs> and she looked sad and I was just like questioning my like ACAB status. I was like, you are very kind. <laughs> no one here has been kind. And like, you're super kind right now. And I was like, I hope they let you do, I hope you're in charge, but I don't think she is. But she was very, very nice. So now we're like hauling ass to the airport in like a $50 cab. That's it. You have airport. to go back to the airport. You have to go back to where you rented it from. And of course you rented it from the goddamn airport. So we get to the airport and there's this like line, this this line that is like unimaginable. So we stand on it only to be told that we need to go to speak to like a manager who's in an office downstairs. So that's a separate line. But while we're in line, there's this one guy who I will call him like the line leader. So like every time someone was open, like a window was open, they didn't have lights or anything. So they would just like raise their hand and the person who was standing in the front didn't notice it. Hey, 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 they're calling you. They're oh, calling you. And guys. I was like, oh, you suck. So he was like in front of us. So when he gets to the front of the line, they go, oh, you know, we have your reservation, but like cars are really backed up right now. It was like a Wednesday, 10 in the morning. I don't know why cars are backed up, but cars were three hours backed up. So this guy's like, well, what the fuck am I supposed to do for three hours? And I'm just like, get a personality, like learn how to <laughs> be a human. Like what? Why are you talking to this person? Like right? that? And the guy's like, I'm not sure the airport's there. We'll call you when the car is available. And he's just like, you need to give me an explanation. And it's like, sir. <laughs> I gave you the best one I've got. Yeah, and like everyone, like he's been saying the same thing to everyone and this guy's been so busy minding the line that he didn't hear. So now I'm like, we're not getting a car. We're 100% not getting a car today. Like there's just no way if all these people's reservations are like backed up, we're just like, hey, we lost one. Please give us a new one. Like, they're not going to give us a new car. So the guy's I love like. the way you put that. We lost we one. We lost one. <laughs> <laughs> so we get to the front. And this guy's name is like Rajesh. And he was like, you need to speak to the person downstairs. And I was like, Rajesh, if I go downstairs and they told me that I need to come back up here, I am coming directly to you. Is that OK? And he's like, that's absolutely OK, because it's not going to happen. And I was like, Rajesh, if it happens, I'm coming directly to you. Because I was just like, <laughs> we've waited in this line so long. So we go downstairs and now there's like, it's like the Hertz gold member line so now we're in line with like rich and assholes. that's not even who you rented from right so apparently we did because it's like hertz budget and like dollar are all oh, one system okay no, i listen lessons were learned because i had no clue so we go downstairs and someone someone had the worst bo but i could not figure out who it was and i spent like the half an hour in line trying to figure out like who smelled terrible because it was so overwhelming it could have mm. been everyone it could have been anyone i couldn't figure it out but there's just like people leaning over like the barricades like there's like glass not glass but like plexiglass yeah, hanging yeah, from yeah. the ceiling and there was this guy who was curved around it in this woman's face and she's got on gloves and a mask i was like she really doesn't want you to be doing that and he's just people. like asking all these questions and she's answering them and then he asks them again and he's like i just want to make sure you're paying attention and i'm like ew sir no get the fuck out of here like it was just a lot of very and I remember I talked to you about this like gold membership and I just thought it was like rich assholes, but you have one. Yeah. So it's not, I don't know who all these people were. Like, <laughs> I might be an asshole, but I'm definitely not rich. <laughs> they were like, oh, I requested like a three tier luxury car. I requested a hybrid. I requested, and I was just like, they're backed up. So what you get is what you get. And people really didn't like that. So this woman comes over and then she was like, is everyone here? Is your name on the screen outside? And I was like, our name is not on the screen, but they told us we need to speak to a manager. And she's like, ooh, why? And I'm like, our car got stolen. And she was like, I was like, are you a manager? And she's like, I don't know if I want to answer that. And I was like, you seem like a manager. Like, I'm just like delirious with like, 
please help us. Mm-hmm. I want to leave. Like, I don't care if we get a car. I need to leave here. So her name is Brittany and she was fantastic. And she pulled us to the side and she's like, what car was it? And we're like a Dodge Charger. She's like a Dodge Charger. Like she was so shocked. She's like, who steals Dodge Chargers? And I was like, I don't know. So she like gets our information, makes copies of like everything. And then like maybe 20 minutes later, she's like, okay, your car is in spot like 235. And I just stare at her. Cause I was like, I thought cars are backed up. And then she was like, yeah, but like, whatever and i was like what <laughs> so i was like what is your name i like shook her hand and i looked down and it is twelve fifty nine. and i was like bro theo you, was like, right he manifested it like he manifested it we I got like, like a, a chevy malibu or something like i guess that no one will want to steal but like i cannot believe he walked out of there with a car we walked out of there with a car before some of those assholes in line and i was like is it because <laughs> well, we were so why, nice that's why you don't be an asshole i think so and then like so uh, the, one of the women was dealing with someone who was like a real jerk and I'm just standing there and I'm like watching this and she's being so patient and I'm just saying to Theo I would lose my job I would lose my job because this guy is being so much and like Brittany like came out while I was doing that and I was just like is it always like this and she's like mm-hmm. and I'm just like this is wild like I don't I, I would lose my job I yeah. people were just so rude mm-hmm. I like couldn't understand it well, I'm just glad you got that car, and I'm glad you finally got to tell a story. <laughs> oh, the follow-up to that oh, is okay. uh, maybe a week after we got back, my husband gets an email from Hertz that says, because of prior interactions, you are no longer allowed to rent with us. What? Yes. So now he's, like, trying to clear his good name. Like, there's all this paperwork that he has to do. And we were like, you know what? Fuck it. We won't rent for them. But then we looked, and they're Hertz, Budget, and Thrifty. So they're, like, all these car companies. And like we rent from Thrifty like pretty regularly in the city. So it's like I could rent them in my name, but like his availability is like better to like pick them up. So it's like, fuck, we need to make this right with them. Like, what do we do? And it's just like a whole bunch of paperwork. Like they're like, you never filled out a police report. And we're like, we did. We have one. Here's a copy. And they're like, oh, okay. Our departments don't talk to each other. So we need that information from you. So to them, we lost the car. And then that was the end of the transaction. Much. And I'm like, how is that possible? Like, we went. Check your credit card statement. Was, yeah. And like, <laughs> we got charged like a little because like, there was a different tax for like the second car. And there was it was a lot. It was a lot. But I was just like, OK, I don't I don't like this. I really don't like that. You were a victim of a crime. And now they're like, oh, you can't rent from us anymore. So yeah, apparently it's going to take a while to like clear his name so that he can rent again. But like. So you have to go from like economy now or somebody like some other company altogether. I don't even know where you would go because there's not a lot of car rental places in the city if you're, unless you go like all the way to the airport and like right. the thrifty one is like 20 minutes from our house. Nice. And that's typically where we run from if we don't do zip car. But like, mm-hmm. we have, we have to make the, it right. We have a Hertz here in the neighborhood and we mm-hmm. have, an, I think economy is the other one or it's something with an E. I don't know that one. It's like green. Enterprise. 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 That's They're it. expensive. They're usually okay. like the most expensive ones. So we've only rented like maybe once or twice. I just like Hertz because it's right down the street. And yeah. I'm like, okay, I can walk there, mm-hmm. pick up the car. And by the time I like I tell Sean, okay, I've got the car. I'm heading home. And he comes down with all the bags and yeah. like locks up the house. And it's everything's it's just easy. waiting on the curb by the time we get back. But yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, 
Okay, well, that's so that's that was my vacation. I mean, my vacation, we got to like do other things. Yeah, so, yeah, like, yeah. It was really good. And also, like, you needed a car because we were in Oakland and like a lot of things we were doing, like, in San Francisco are like, we went to like the aquarium all the way out in like Monterey Bay. Like, we needed a car. There was just not a way that we couldn't have one. It would have been so expensive if we didn't have one. Meanwhile, in Brooklyn, people wished they didn't have a car because they were buried halfway in water. <laughs> but that was after you came oh, back. Oh, yeah. But... That, was, that was another fun experience. I, I didn't see the sun. That whole week from I'm, California, it was sunny and I got on a plane and came here and it was miserable and raining. And then Friday was like, oh, guess what? Would you like to die in a flood? Sure. <laughs> so we were supposed to get our booster shots that day and we knew it was raining heavy. Mm -hmm. Like our landlady was away. So we went and checked and turned on the sump pump in the oh, basement smart. for her and everything. And she had asked if we could keep an eye on it. And then we're like, okay, well, we were supposed to get our shots down in Bensonhurst because that was like the only place we could find. Yeah, it was like the only place that had the vaccines that week or whatever. Oh, and we're wow. like, we want to make sure we're done before Comic-Con and all of mm. this. So we got on the R train at the station closest to our house. Mm -hmm. And about 20 minutes later, we pulled into the next stop. <laughs> Because trains were so back. The, our train is the worst when it comes to flooding. All the, oh, yeah. all that lower Brooklyn stuff. All the yellow lines. Yeah. And so the trains were all backed up. And so we couldn't even pull into the station. They had everybody move to the front of the train in case they were only going to be able to like pull the first car in. Oh, my God. But they did eventually get the whole thing in. Was it a women and children first situation? <laughs> <laughs> we didn't get to that. But uh, there was definitely a diva on our on our train car and they were just like they were like oh it's so cold in here like and they were just like going on and on and oh and i'm not sure like they were literally wearing like a denim vest with no shirt under it of course they were cold also exactly vests are weird like are you trying to be warm well it's like a what jean jacket but with the sleeves cut off i just i don't so, get vests yeah. don't make sense to me but go ahead yeah Anyway, but yeah, so we didn't get our boosters then, but we did eventually get them. We got them today, actually, as nice. of when we're recording. I'm so. getting mine tomorrow. Yes. COVID and Very flu? Close. No. I, okay. So I just did the COVID because I was going to do the flu at work, but then they canceled it. So I'm like, okay. Well, maybe you can ask if they can do it, too. It takes right? like five like, seconds. Hey, you get that flu shot? Yeah. Yeah. It was, But we wanted to have it ready for Comic-Con, which is next week from when we're recording this, mm -hmm. last week from when it comes out. <laughs> so if you Time ever warp. hear from me again, it's because I've run away with Chris Evans. Yes. Mm, okay. It's a likely possibility. I mean, we are both married people, but That's you fine. know, our eyes could meet. It, it could, could be a happen. Thing anything anything's possible i'm sad because one of the panels i like most want to go to that's a small panel um i forget the exact name of it it's literally at the same time as the panel i'm presenting on oh so <laughs> it's not like i could just like pick between two panels yeah, right? like i literally have to be at mine but um yeah do so, they record any of those uh educational ones well i record mine as audio Okay. And we'll release it as a podcast episode on why do we read this channel. Mm -hmm. So it can be listened to. But I wonder if the person in the other one will record it. So you I can don't like know. do both. Well, one of the people there is actually coming to my class the week after Comic-Con to talk to my students because they read one of his books for is class. Chris Evans? Yes, Chris Evans and his book about his dog. <laughs> Does he have a book about his dog? I don't know. I just I made that up. I would read anything that Chris would. Evans wrote. I don't care. Um, no, it's um, 
his name is Julio Anta and he is a uh, like a comic and graphic novel author. Mm. Um, so he's worked with different illustrators and so on. But um, we read a book that he has. A, it's like a, a supernatural border crossing story that like combines a lot of like true life experiences of border crossing with the supernatural. Ooh, that sounds really interesting. Yeah, my students really liked it. Speaking of supernatural, today we're going to be discussing a controversial fictional character, Don Summers, little sister to Buffy Summers, a.k.a. Buffy the Vampire Slayer. After explaining a bit about who she is and how she was included in the show, we're going to consider the interaction she had with other characters and their opinions of her. Then we'll dig into some of the audience opinions of her that are out there to see why she was a character even worth covering on the podcast. Finally, we'll think about the world that Dawn shows up in, how she struggles with her role, her reality, and her grief when she loses those that she loves. And we'll suggest why maybe she doesn't need to be included on any of those TV's worst character lists after all. So let's get into it. So Dawn Summers is the sister of Buffy Ann Summers on the TV show Buffy the Vampire Slayer. So let's just give a little bit of background on the show itself. So IMDb has the perfect synopsis. Which is rare. They right? don't often have. They, rare, they, they rarely usually do. Usually it's like, this is a show about two brothers who cross the country uh, looking for the supernatural. And the show is called Supernatural. <laughs> like, That's all they tell us. Property Brothers. <laughs> 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 either one <clears throat> and so their synopsis is a young woman destined to slay vampires demons and other worldly creatures deals with her life fighting evil with the help of her friends the show is based on the film by the same name and the film and the show were both written by joss whedon the film debuted on july 31st 1992 and the show came out on march 10th 1997 both of them could be considered cult classics, uh, even though the show did run for seven seasons. Buffy the Vampire Slayer Season 8 was continued as a comic book series published by Dark Horse Comics from 2007 to 2011. Those get weird. Yeah. Those get very weird. Well, I you could do a lot more with comic books, I bet. Yeah, like, there's a lot of, like, transforming in those. I haven't read them. I've, like, I'm not a comic book person. I've only read, like, one graphic novel of my life. And, like, I got really attached. It was The Walking Dead. Like, I've read all of those. But, like, the print is too small. Like, there's a lot. I'm a baby. Like, I can't, like, handle uh, comic books. And you I would struggle read those. with my class this semester. <laughs> I, I would have taken it. I absolutely would have taken it. I'd have been like, is there a. Is there a live action version of this? Is there an audiobook version? Like, it hurts my Well, eyes. and that's the one thing you can't, like, when I teach novels, like prose novels, whatever, uh, long form, students do have the option of an ebook, a print book, or an audiobook. But with yeah. graphic novels, you can't do that. Yeah, the image so, is half the story. Yeah. The show starred Sarah Michelle Gellar as Buffy Summers. The supporting class in class class and cast yeah why they not were, both they were in school includes allison hannigan as willow david boreanaz as angel nicholas brennan as xander anthony stewerhead as giles james masters as spike seth green as oz and michelle trachtenberg as dawn and i was just going to make a comment about anthony stewerhead his character's first name was rupert right rupert mm -hmm. giles yeah they just call him giles um, yeah, i guess we could say that later too and he was in ted lasso and his character's name was rupert that's there funny. as well and i was like that's definitely like i feel like they changed <laughs> the name to suit that he was playing it or uh -huh. they hired him as an actor because that was the character's that's name funny. anyway 
That's not who we're talking about. We're talking <laughs> about Michelle Trachtenberg. Uh, she joined the cast in 2000 during the fifth season. She plays Dawn Summers, as we mentioned, the sister of the Slayer and daughter of Hank and Joyce Summers. She's introduced in the last two minutes of the season five premiere, Buffy versus Dracula. Previously, Buffy had been introduced as an only child. So that's interesting for viewers. Mm -hmm. Uh, The following episode, episode two of season five, is actually completely from Dawn's point of view and is titled Real Me. For fans who have been used to Buffy being the only one for years, this was a huge mystery. One that the show doesn't reveal for a few more episodes. It tricks the audience and just moves on as if Dawn has always been here. That's how the cast perceives her, at least. Yeah. By the fifth episode of the season, the viewers and Buffy are finally clued into what the hell is going on. (laughs) Dawn was originally a mystical power of living energy known as the Key. She was transformed from energy into human by a group of monks called the Order of Dagon. So, side note for me, I love this when I watched Buffy as a Supernatural fan. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's a line in this in episode 15 of season 6. It's called The French Mistake. It's the one where they like go into the universe and they like Oh, they're, they're, they're actors real selves. on yeah. TV, right? Um, and there's a part where like Sam is trying to act and he's like if there's a key there must also be a lock. And when I was watching Buffy and um, and Don says, if it's a key, there's got to be a lock, right? <laughs> and I was like, oh my God, that's awesome. It's the same Because clearly thing. that was Supernatural's homage to Buffy because Buffy came out first. So <laughs> They've had a couple of Buffy stars on their show too. Yes, they have. Yeah. 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 But I, Two I mean, of the same episode. Whether which it I was, was intentional really cool. or not, yeah. it's still like it clicked right in my head immediately. <laughs> I was like, oh, that's that's perfect. Anyway, so the group, the Order of Dagon, was looking to protect the world from Dawn's power. She could be used to open the door between all dimensions. You know, that's pretty cool. Like you do. America Chavez. <laughs> uh, they made her human and gave her to the Slayer, where as Buffy's sister, she would be like under the strongest protection. Mm. So protection from who, you ask? Glorificus, a.k.a. Glory. She's an all-powerful goddess who was banished from home, a hell dimensioned onto Earth. Her banishment comes with a twist. Since she's a goddess, she can't just run free, right? So she's forced to share her body with a human child named Benjamin Wilkinson, who is created solely to contain her. That's so creepy. There's that's so <laughs> creepy. And that's like really sad for like ben. both of them. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so we'll, we'll talk more about Ben later, but let's talk about this curse and the banishment. So Glory ruled the world, ruled her world with two other deities, but she was powerful and she, and as she aged, she became more powerful. The other two feared that she might take over and plotted to get rid of her. Glory has been searching for the key since she was quote unquote born. But since she spends half her time as a man named Ben, it's been kind of hard. <laughs> so while Ben is aware of Glory and vice versa, the world is blind to them being one. Thanks to the magical amnesia spell, even if she transformed right in front, in front of someone's face, they would instantly forget what they saw. Okay. Yeah, right. This is the physical transformation yeah. as well. It's not just like in that sort of like oh this personality is taking over yeah. there's actually a physical it was like a, transformation like the hair would change the face would change and like i gotta say like as far as like things being like whole plots being whole proof like that's a pretty good like cover for it because it's like well someone would clearly see them change and it's like no magical amnesia <laughs> obviously <laughs> <laughs> all right so let's talk strengths and weaknesses for glory mm-hmm. 
Glory is sturdy AF, right? Buffy, Buffy's blows seem to like bounce right off her, right? You know, she's a slayer. She's trying to attack her, but nothing's happening. Uh, when Glory is injured, she heals super quickly. She's strong, like stronger than Buffy. She's got speed, hearing, magical skills. All of these round out her strengths. And for weaknesses, there really aren't that many, right? There are a few weapons that can be used to weaken and repel her, but they really only slow her down. Her need to feed off people drives her off her path to find the key, right? Because she doesn't have the energy to do it, right? I get that. When you're hangry, you can't do much. I mean, facts. (laughs) She would become near catatonic until she fed and also relatable. Yes. So Ben is her biggest weakness, him and his mortality. If he's killed, so is she. Glory's timeline to find and use the key is quickly coming to an end. As she runs out of time, she becomes a little bit sloppy and unhinged. Glory's only goal is to find the key and use that to return to her original dimension. However, doing so would use all the energy in the key and drop all the barriers between all dimensions, causing all worlds to bleed into each other, allowing basically the end of our world and the end of Dawn. Glory is not only a danger to Dawn, but to everyone around her as she feeds off humans' mental energies. She does this by inserting her fingers into the victims' heads, absorbing the energies that bind the victims' mind and leaving them roaming the streets, mumbling, seemingly mentally ill. Yes. Fun. And we do see that happen to one of the characters. Yes. Dawn is in danger, but she doesn't realize this for quite a while, right? To her, she's just a girl trying to make it through high school and, you know, living on a hellmouth. So they live in Sunnydale, California on an active hellmouth. So it's sort of a portal between Earth and the next dimension. So it attracts lots of supernatural creatures. This is why Buffy lives there. The show also mentions that there is another hellmouth in Cleveland, Ohio. I mean... That sounds accurate. It's Ohio. (laughs) Oh, so I was watching this thing about um, Ohio. Why? I don't know. Um, But it had a nickname called The Mistake on the Lake. And I was like, I always thought Ohio sucked and had no like real proof of it. I was like, the world thought Ohio sucked. It's The Mistake on the Lake. And I'm like, that's hysterical. There you go. Cleveland. When Buffy learns about Dawn's actual origin, she makes the decision not to tell Dawn. I love lack of communication. Always such a good idea. Uh, But she determines that it's too dangerous and that the fewer people who know about this, the better. She does tell Giles, though, right? Because Giles is her watcher and it's basically like a slayer's coach. Mm -hmm. And so she goes to him for advice and like, what what do I do about this? Throughout the course of season five, members of Buffy's team and her friends get clued in on Dawn's origin, kind of little by little, right? Uh, And eventually Dawn catches on after sensing everyone's like weird vibes. She's like, "Mm, what are y'all, why why are you acting this way, right? But also she overhears a conversation between her mother, Joyce, Giles, and Buffy. With the help of an enemy turned ally, Spike, Dawn breaks into Giles' files to learn more about herself. Giles, being a great note-taker, provides Dawn with the whole truth, like just a full fucking description in a notebook. Like At least, you do. Like, I don't know. Put in another... He speaks like seven languages. Put in another language, Giles. So Dawn doesn't react well. She, again, is a teenager, and her world has been flipped upside down. She starts acting out hard. In Dawn's book, she's the key, and the key doesn't need to be polite or go to school or have a curfew and can totally set things on fire, you know? So she leaves the house while in search of someone to talk to who doesn't see her as something that needs to be protected or coddled. 
Don ends up at the Sunnydale Hospital in the psych ward where all of Glory's victims end up. Side note, these victims lose a part of their brain, but they gain the ability to see things around them. To them, Don is off. They can tell there's something off and it upsets them. So Dawn runs out of the room and this is where she runs into Ben. So Ben, who is also Glory, but nobody knows that yet. Uh, ben is a junior physician at Sunnydale Memorial. He meets the Summers family while their mother Joyce is having a health crisis. She spends a few months in and out of the hospital battling a brain tumor. And Bren can, Bren. <laughs> ben kind of like befriends them all along the way. He becomes a sense of like a kind of like a source of comfort for them. So while he's trying to console Dawn and trying to understand why she's so upset, she reveals herself to him as the key. Big mistake. Huge. Ben you don't in- just go telling people you're the key. That's so, the like, thing girl. that people have with Dawn. She tells everybody everything. And it's like sometimes people are your enemies. But, tight. you know, she's 14. Yes. Yes. We'll get back to that. So, so Ben turns into glory. Doesn't have any memory of the conversation that they were just having. Thank goodness. Glory holds Dawn hostage and Dawn uses this time to learn about herself and being the key. So Glory, who has gone, who's grown tired of Dawn and all her questions, is about to eat her brain and Buffy and the game st- gang storm in to save the day before any brain sucking happens. Oh, yay. Nice big sister. There you go. I'll save you before they suck your brains out. What is that? Um... It's kind of like uh, Robert Rodriguez's child who once said to him, apparently, I want to eat your brains and gain your knowledge. <laughs> like, imagine a child saying That's that to you. That's incredibly creepy. How creepy is that? <laughs> but it's a great line. I, that is great. But also... We use that in this house. <laughs> oh, my... I have one from a celebrity child. Tina Fey's daughter once saw a picture of Disney World and said, I want to go to there. I want to go to there. So now we say, I want to go to there. Yes. <laughs> okay. Anyway, <laughs> throughout the rest of season five, Don and Buffy go through a bit of trauma. J- just a bit. Just, just a little smidge, mm-hmm. right? First, you know, their mother dies of a brain aneurysm. I mean, that's one way to write someone out of a show. <laughs> that episode, side note, is one of the most fantastic episodes of any television series I've ever seen in my life. It's called The Body. It's amazing. Like, if you're just like, eh, I don't know if I want to watch your Buffy thing, watch that episode. It's fantastic. It's so well done. Well, okay, so their mom dies, and Buffy is grieving, but she also needs to, like, simultaneously become the head of the household, mm-hmm. right? And Dawn also has to grow up pretty quickly because Glory is still looking for her. It all comes to a head in the final episodes. Tara, one of Buffy's friends and a part of the Scooby gang, is brain sucked by Glory and inadvertently reveals Dawn's true nature. So now it's not Ben who knows it. It's Glory in mm-hmm. her, in all her glory. <laughs> <laughs> who, who hears that firsthand? So Dawn is taken by Glory and her minions in a very elaborate ceremony. Um, and starts to open the gates of hell via Dawn's blood. So picture this, if you will. It's a massive tower. I said 20 to 30 feet, but it's higher than that. And then I realized, I don't know how high 20 feet is. How high <laughs> is 20 feet? Um, like two of this room? It's got to be like 50 then. Okay. It's, it's, it's like a building. Okay. Like a rooftop. Maybe a hundred. But a towel. Tower. <laughs> 
It's tall, y'all. It's big. <laughs> anyway, so Dawn is tied to the top, and Buffy and her friends are fighting off Glory's minions using everything. Magical weapons, fists, spells, everything. So Willow, who is the girlfriend to Tara, who is a witch, she casts a spell used to weaken Glory, and it also breaks the mystical shroud that prevented people from learning that Glory and Ben were the same person. Buffy, using a very magical troll hammer, is beating the crap out of Glory. For the first time, she's making actual progress. Like, all you need is a troll hammer. <laughs> all you need is a troll hammer. So she's bloody. She's like broken bones. She like can't really move. So Glory retreats back into herself and exposes, exposes Ben. So Buffy's like, well, I can't beat the shit out of Ben. He's a regular human. Like, he has nothing to do with this. So Buffy spares him and tells him that it's over, Glory lost, and that they better never see them again. Side note on this. Giles makes sure of this by smothering Ben, thus killing Glory and Ben. Yeah. Because he's like, she's too nice. I need to end this now. But, okay, before we move on, I just want to go back for a second to this troll hammer. Like, where the fuck do you get a troll hammer? Was it just like... From a troll. (laughs) From a troll. Was so there like a so troll way backstory construction site? Like no. So like okay. So I watched the show once. I don't remember it. In there's that much another detail. character on the show. Her name is Anya. We'll get into like she's a vengeance demon. We'll get into that later. But she used to be married to a troll, and there's a whole sequence where he like comes looking for her years later, and he's like this evil dude, and they have to get rid of him. I don't remember how they get rid of him, but. They take his hammer. This his hammer was there, and like it's kind of like a. So she just carries this Thor's around? hammer. Like no one else can pick it up except for Buffy. Okay, so does yeah. she like call it from afar? No, like, she carries she just it. Carries it around. She carries she goes? it. It's like he's this 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 troll. I think is like a god. So it's a weapon. Anya says this line like, "How do you beat a god with the weapon of a god?" And like points to the hammer. I mean that makes sense. Yeah. So that was one okay. thing. There was also like a magical the Toolbox? sphere of Dagon. Oh yeah. Yeah, Dagon has a sphere. I'm also clearly a Buffy fan because this is off the dome right now. But that also like helped slow her down a little bit. But the hammer, the hammer really did it. Yeah, I mean, they had to use like in Supernatural, they used like Michael's lance to like try and kill Lucifer or Mm -hmm. something because it was the same thing, like uh, an archangel's weapon to kill an archangel, which Lucifer is, right? Anyway, okay. Sorry, I just had to go on that tangent about You're the troll like, hammer. Where did I get this troll <laughs> Meanwhile, Spike is at the top of the tower trying to save Dawn. And one of Glory's minions explains how this is going to work, right? They're like, blood starts it, blood stops it. The plan is to drain Dawn's blood slowly to give Glory the time to get up to the portal. Uh, Spike gets thrown off the tower, but, you know, he survives because he's a vampire. Yeah. Um, the minion starts cutting Dawn and her blood starts flowing. So Buffy makes it to the top of the tower just as the first drop of blood falls. It's too late. Dawn wants to sacrifice herself to save the world, but Buffy realizes that because she's related to Dawn, her own blood can also close the portal. Buffy sacrifices her life to save Dawn and close the portal. Buffy's friends mourn her death and praise her with an inscription on her headstone that says she saved the world a lot. It's just siblings sacrificing for siblings. Again, so many parallels between this and Supernatural. Yes. <laughs> but one knew when to end. Yeah. Facts. <laughs> Facts. Not As that it, I wouldn't have watched 16 seasons of Buffy, but one was like, we got to do something else, guys. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> so I know what you're thinking. Dawn has been saved. Her life can only go up from here. No. So let's recap. Her mother's dead. Her sister's dead. 
Her father has been MIA for like a couple of years now, but her sister's best friends move in to take care of her. She's 15 and the 22 year olds are in charge. Yay. (laughs) Stability. Here we go. Okay. So while Donna's grieving and finding some sense of family, she's also dealing with survivor's guilt. You know, and also monsters are roaming around everywhere and the Scooby gang is doing what they can to keep Sunnydale safe. But of course, Buffy's not there. Uh, They realize that the best course of action would be to bring Buffy back from the dead um, and back from the hell dimension that she's supposedly trapped in. So uh, we didn't like give a spoiler alert, but spoiler for like the whole end of Buffy. Which ended like a decade and a half ago. Uh, Listen, you get to things when you get to them. And I'm like, half of this episode is me wanting to turn everybody into a Buffy super fan and like do a rewatch with me. Well, it ends better than Supernatural. There's no more ringing endorsement than that. (laughs) (laughs) So long story short, they bring back Buffy, but she wasn't in hell. She was in heaven and wasn't super excited to be back. So Don takes her sister's rejection of the world as a rejection of her. Like you do when you're... 15. Exactly. So the rejection and also just being a teenager with very little guidance leads Dawn to act out. She starts stealing things. It starts small with like Anya's earrings that she left lying around the house to repeatedly stealing from many stores around town, including the magic box. So the magic box is a shop, a magic shop that is owned by Giles and then later Anya. Yeah. After he stops being the school librarian. (laughs) Yes. He stopped being the school librarian pretty early. I think he's only the librarian for like the first three seasons. And then he's kind of like a bachelor doing Mm -hmm. nothing. And then he was like, I need a hobby. <laughs> I need so a magic he like, shop. buys the magic shop. Yes. Which makes sense because they're always in there doing research and like buying yes. magical things to do spells with. Like it makes sense. So since Dawn is struggling to find acceptance, this leaves her open to peer pressure. On Halloween, she sneaks out with friends and ends up causing mischief with one of her friends and two older boys. Together, they engage in, you know, some of the more violent Halloween pranks like breaking windows and damaging mailboxes things that aren't really like pranks but more vandalism, vandalism yeah. <laughs> but cool. I, was like, I was thinking I guess like pranks would be like egging Toilet and like paper. Tea, yeah but I'm just like I feel like that's also kind of vandalism yeah but it's less harmful right like TP is just annoying I just like I'm such a why would you waste this that I could never TP a house? You know, one time Sean and I were walking along the promenade in Brooklyn hmm. with someone else. I forget who now, but um, it was at night and there were these teens like, you know, there's all those like fancy schmancy houses along mm-hmm. that. They were some teens like hanging out in the backyard of one of them and they were throwing hard boiled eggs at people. Hard boiled eggs? Hard boiled eggs. That's assault. That's like, <laughs> exactly. what? That's insane. Yeah. Right, that's crazy. Yeah, yep. Imagine like <laughs> going to the store, buying eggs, waiting like you think they do like a an eight minute boil. Like how long do they do it? Like do they time it? And then like drying them off, but like that's too much work. Why would you do that? Who are you? <coughs> hard boiled eggs. How did you know they were like hard boiled? Because the way they landed. Oh my god! They didn't like crack and splatter. They just like. That's a welch for sure if you yeah. get hit with one of those. Uh-huh. We didn't actually get hit, thankfully. Thank God. But they Listen, were very close to us. I was like, if I got hit, I'd own that house. Yeah. Let me talk to your dad. <laughs> Let me talk to a lawyer. I can't walk anymore. I live here. Squatter's rights. So that was pretty crazy. But so were Dawn's antics on Halloween. I mean, she wasn't throwing hard-boiled eggs, so she had one thing going for her. No, but, uh, you know, broken glasses. 
not a joke either. Anyway, um, on this night, we learned that the boys that she's with are actually vampires. Um, so she learns this and the two couples split for a little... Oh, she learns this as the two couples split for a little private time. He's like, she didn't know beforehand. That'd be weird. Yeah, that would be weird. <laughs> She's like, oh, you're a vampire. Let's go make out. Oh, wait, Buffy. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> like, like sister, like sister. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, Dawn's first kiss becomes her first vampire kill. So good for her. While she proves that she can defend herself, she is still reckless enough to put herself in the situation where she needed to defend herself, though. So balancing act so in the next episode everyone spills their secrets with the help of a demon that makes people break into song super fan side note this is my favorite episode of the show of all like this is the episode it's called once more with feeling it can probably be a standalone if you're just like maybe kim said it was good i should watch it you should watch it anyway so when the demon who's causing all the trouble comes to town to collect the person who summoned him don is taken He's drawn to her because she's wearing his talisman, but she stole it from the magic shop just after Xander used it to summon the singing demon. Xander confesses that he did it to cheer the mood, but didn't expect the implications. Whoops. Yeah, right? So Don is suspect number one because of the troubles that she had gotten into in the past. Buffy actually says, Don's in trouble, must be Tuesday, as she's becoming someone who is in constant need of rescue. Don sings about her unhappiness, singing, does anybody even notice? Does anybody even care? You know, I did watch Buffy. I do know all of this, like, on a basic level. Mm -hmm. But there's so many things that, like, parallel, like, Dawn is in trouble must be Tuesday. Reminds me of the uh, mystery spot episode of Supernatural. Pigs in a poke must be Tuesday. Yeah, yeah. It's like like Tuesday, pigs in a poke. (laughs) And then Sam's like, yesterday was Tuesday, but today is Tuesday, too. (laughs) That's such a good episode. I'm like, you've mentioned, like my top supernatural episode. Yeah, those like, are all classics. <laughs> uh, Dawn's home life is becoming more and more erratic as the group changes. What? We can't do an episode <laughs> for Supernatural because they kill all their women. <laughs> I was like, we should do a Supernatural episode. I was like, well, we, we could do an episode about the fact that they kill I, all I their guess women. We could, you know what? That big could be topic. a big topic. Yeah, you heard it here, guys. We're going to do a big we topic. We did Women of Marvel. Now we can do Women of Supernatural. Because yes, they kill all their women. There's no one that we can just be like, this person made mistakes, but they're great because they always die before they get that option. But absolutely, we can do an episode on. Yes. yes. I love that. Put Next it on year. the list. <laughs> okay. Uh, let me go back to my bullet point yes. here. Dawn's home life is becoming more and more erratic as the group changes. Giles, who briefly returned to Sunnydale after Buffy did, has plans to leave again. Willow and Tara's relationship is strained by Willow's abuse of her magic, and Tara leaves. Buffy is also out trying to find herself after being reborn. And Dawn is spending more and more time alone, right? Her stealing is getting worse. And so there's an episode called Older and Far Away. And in that episode, Dawn meets with a guidance counselor to discuss her issues. The counselor asks questions about Dawn's life and tries to get her to reveal her problems. So Dawn says that she wishes that people would stop leaving her. So the thing about Sunnydale is that you're never supposed to make a wish to a stranger. It always turns out bad. But honestly, I think that's good for everyday life. Don't make a wish to a stranger. You don't know them. You don't know that they're not like a genie who's going to make it come true in the worst possible way. Exactly. Because I feel like every show with a genie, that's what happens. It's like, oh, I wish I had more experience. And all of a sudden you're like 90 years old. Like (laughs) genies mess things up. Like don't make wishes to strangers. Just don't. 
So in an effort to get everyone together for Buffy's birthday, Don and the gang host a party. Don presents Buffy with a brand new leather jacket with the security tag still attached to the coat. Before anyone can question this, Danny reveals a weapon chase that he built for her. Don is left sitting alone on the couch with her gift. As the night goes on, people make conversation about going out on a beer run, but no one ever leaves. They just continue to play Monopoly with Dawn. By the next morning, no one has left the house, and they all start to notice that that's kind of weird. Despite how much they all want to be where they have to be, they just don't go anywhere. The gang discusses the dilemma, most of them needing to get to work or school, and Dawn snaps at them for wanting to leave her. Suspiciously, the Scooby gang talks to Dawn and questions her, questions whether she did a spell or something to lock them all in the house. The accusation offends her, but they don't drop the subject when she denies it, which only upsets her more. Right, and it's not like she knows that this is what she did, right? She she didn't intentionally turn to this guidance counselor and be like, I wish this. See, that's a a thing where people who are fans of the show take issue with Dawn because there's so many little things that she should know better about. And she should know better than to tell a stranger what she's grown up on the Hellmouth her sister is Buffy like she should know better like this is my thought on it is like they said that they gave her all of these memories to like Mm -hmm. put her in this life but like she doesn't actually have the experience these are just memories what's a memory if not an experience but she she didn't like actually live those experiences I don't know Buffy takes Dawn to the side to talk. Dawn reveals that she recently talked to a guidance counselor and may have made a wish to the woman. Anya begins to show signs of claustrophobia and is starting to lose it, so she starts searching the house for a solution. In Dawn's room, Anya searches through her possessions. Dawn enters the room with her sister and, you know, freaks out a bit at the invasion of her privacy. Fair. Very fair. Anya uncovers Dawn's secret stash of stolen objects from the magic box, which stuns everyone. So Dawn tries to get away, running downstairs, but Anya follows, yelling at her for stealing. And this is where Buffy realizes that the jacket she was gifted was also stolen. So she's pretty shocked. So Buffy tells everyone about the guidance counselor that Dawn talked to and said that she must have something to do with this. Anya starts to put the pieces together and concludes that the one responsible is her friend Helfrick, a vengeance demon. Super side note, the two know each other because Anya is a former vengeance demon who has lost her powers and was cursed human. So what is a vengeance demon, you're asking? So they have a boss like everyone else. Their boss's name is Tahofrin. And he once said, what is it like to be a vengeance demon? Power. We can alter reality, travel through space and time, even under certain circumstances, return the dead to life. But with one crucial limitation, we cannot do any of these things of our own volition. We require a wish of a human. Mm. What a good synopsis. (laughs) Yeah, I like that. He's in charge. Makes sense. Anya summons Helfrich to lift the spell when she appears she explains that dawn's pain and her silent but desperate plea for attention was something she hadn't seen so severe in a long time according to her the whole gang deserves to be cursed and confined to the house together for eternity at the end of her speech helfrick tries to leave but is herself now a victim of her own curse in order to escape she undoes the curse for them all and she leaves the episode ends with Don and Buffy in the house alone. It's time to work on their relationship. The season ends with the Summer Sisters working on their bond after suffering a great loss. Tara is killed and Don is the one who finds her body. Buffy learns to stop treating Don like a child. There, there's a need to protect her, but Cotteline only pushes her away. Don starts to feel like she is a member of the team and that her sister actually needs her. While trapped in a hole in the ground, the two have a deep bonding conversation. Like you do when you're trapped in a hole. <laughs> 
it was there's I like I was trying to avoid certain spoilers, but like they get trapped in a hole in the ground. Yeah. <laughs> so it was too deep for them to get out and they're trapped. And so they're so forced to bond. They're forced to bond. Yeah. So Buffy assures Dawn that she wants to be here and promises her that things are going to get better. Buffy no longer has any regrets or resentment about being resurrected and feels like she's ready to live, wanting to be there for Dawn and to see the powerful woman that she'll become. The final season of Buffy is about power. Dawn is starting high school and learning about the power that she has and the power around her. Buffy is also training her to fight vampires since she's going to, since Dawn will be on her own more on this dangerous campus at Sunnydale High. So I realized that we were saying high school before, but it's junior high she was in before. This is her first year in high school. And the high school that she's going to is Sunnydale High School. It's the same one that Buffy and her friends went to. And they also blew it up during graduation. So Dawn is dealing with the normal high school issues, but she's also doing so on this hellmouth. She meets Kit and Carlos, and they form a friendship on the first day of school after fighting the supernatural together. Because she's aware of the danger, she's able to keep her new friends at ease and safe. With Giles still gone, Dawn takes over the role as head researcher and planner. In an episode called Him, Dawn falls in love or under a love spell from a boy at school. Problems ensue when Buffy, Willow, and Anya all become victims of the same spell and start competing for the love of a boy named RJ. A depressed Dawn finds herself outshadowed, feeling like she can't compete against any of them, especially her sister, and tries to take her own life by lying down on the railroad tracks. Thankfully, she is stopped by Xander, who goes on to break the spell by burning RJ's letterman jacket, which held all the power. Dawn apologizes for how she acted and how stupid she felt that she did it over a spell. Buffy forgives Dawn and tells her to be prepared to feel even stupider when it isn't over a spell. The main big bad in the final season is the first, meaning the first evil. Its goal is to destroy the world, starting with its line of defense, the Slayers. The Summer's House becomes a safe haven for every girl who could potentially become a Slayer. For a long period of time, the group thinks that Dawn is a potential Slayer when a location spell mistakenly identifies her as such. It was soon discovered that the potential was actually Amanda, a classmate of Dawn's. Dawn is disappointed. You know, she felt like this would bring her and Buffy closer and give her life purpose after being the key. Buffy is spending all of her time training the potential slayers, and Dawn wanted to be a part of that. Learning that she isn't a potential slayer is sad, but it gives her a chance to refocus and find her way. Dawn goes on to grow stronger with her position on the sideline, without resentment, but confidence. She stands up to Buffy when she's making questionable decisions that are putting the group at risk. Showing her sister's approval is not everything. Just before the big battle, Buffy comes up with a plan to get her to get Dawn out of town in case the group does lose the fight. Xander, on Buffy's orders, chloroforms Dawn and drives her out of town. So Dawn wakes up and tasers Xander and they drive back to town to help the fight. And fights she does, right alongside with everyone else, taking down many vampires and staying alive to help others do so. After they all escape the crumbling town of, Sin of Sunnydale, Dawn has the last line of the series when she asks Buffy, what are we going to do now? And Buffy just smiles. So how did Buffy see her sister, right? Let's talk about these other characters and we'll start with Buffy. In the beginning, Buffy and Dawn had a typical sibling relationship with the usual big sister, little sister strain. Dawn felt like she was living in Buffy's shadow. She'd never be as perfect as her. And Buffy was jealous that Dawn just got to be a kid. You know, their mother focused so much on Dawn and never truly gave Buffy the same affection because Dawn was the baby and that's just how it was. Most of the fighting came from Buffy's need for Dawn to just grow up and stop making childish mistakes. 
But when she does do something adult, Buffy then worries about her and becomes overprotective. It's not until Buffy starts treating Dawn like an equal that their relationship becomes healthy and stable. Dawn was made out of Buffy's blood, and they will always be drawn to each other. In an episode called Tabula Rasa, the group loses their memory due to a spell of willows that goes awry. With no knowledge of each other, Buffy and Dawn automatically make the connection that they must be sisters. Their bond is something that, even that was created by magic, it also transcends it, and they always find a way back to each other. There should be no doubt that Buffy loves Dawn. You know, she died for her, right? I mean, in the episode, The Gift, just before Buffy jumps off the tower in Dawn's place, she says, the hardest thing in this world is to live in it. Be brave. Live. For me. Even when Buffy is brought back against her will, Dawn is the reason she stays. She was in heaven and chose to stay on earth with Dawn, seeing that she needed her and and couldn't take that loss again. Their relationship becomes strained again following their mother's death when Buffy is forced to become Dawn's parental guardian. The two mellow out when Buffy allows her to fight in the final battle, finally accepting her as an adult and not someone only in need of protection. So let's talk about Dawn and Buffy's mother, Joyce. So Joyce and Dawn were super, super close. Again, she was the baby of the family, so of course they were. When Joyce learned that Dawn was not actually her daughter, she wasn't shocked. She felt that she wasn't shocked. She might have felt it intuitively. Nevertheless, Joyce told Buffy that she loved Dawn like her daughter and requested that Buffy protect her and love her the same. Dawn loved her mother very much and was abs- was an absolute wreck over her passing, even to the point of using magic that she didn't really understand to try and bring her back. Thankfully, she stopped the ritual before whatever she had resurrected could enter the house. She realized that it was wrong and she couldn't put her mother or herself through any of that. This is one of the first signs of adulthood that we see in Dawn. Okay, so next up, let's consider Buffy's best friend, Willow. As Buffy's best friend, Willow also looked at Dawn as like little sister adjacent. Uh, Dawn looked up to Willow for being smart and loving school and learning. Dawn trusted Willow to take care of her, but not baby her. When Buffy died, Willow and Tara, again, we mentioned that's Willow's partner, they moved into Buffy's house and acted as Dawn's guardians. Willow's downward spiral with magic led Dawn to being injured and broke her trust in Willow for a period of time. But over a period of time, the two were able to mend their friendship as adults. And of course, there's Giles. I don't think we mentioned it, but you might have mentioned it. His name is Rupert Giles. Mm -hmm. But like they didn't want to call him Mr. Giles. So they just called him Giles. And that's what it boils down to. It's like respect adjacent, I guess. Respect adjacent. (laughs) So Giles is Buffy's watcher and protector. And because of her close relationship with Willow and Xander, he kind of becomes a father figure for everyone. Don is just an extension of that, but in a younger way. He goes out of his way to shield her from things. When her mother, when their mother dies, Giles becomes the only one setting boundaries and punishments when rules are broken. Part of this is why he returns to England. He fears that Buffy and the others are relying on him too much and not growing into adulthood. In the musical episode, Once We're With Feeling, he sings, The cries around you, you don't hear at all. Because you know I'm here to take that call. So you just lie there when you should be standing tall. When Giles returns to England, he and Dawn have an emotional exchange at the airport. He makes her promise to call if, she, if he is needed and make sure that she knows that he'll always be there for her no matter how far away he is. Then there's Xander, Buffy's other close friend, right? Xander and Dawn share the trait of being non-magical. Xander shares this bit of wisdom with Dawn in the episode Potential, saying they'll never know how tough it is, Donnie, to be the one who isn't chosen, to live so near the spotlight and never step in it. But I know. I see more than anybody realizes because nobody's watching me. I saw you last night. I see you working here today. You're not special. You're extraordinary. 
so Don, you know, this doesn't help things in terms of this, but Don has a crush on Xander for years. And while Xander knew that, he still treated her like a little sister, but without babying her, which is key. Mm -hmm. Uh, Well, he didn't mince words when it came to magic or things others thought she shouldn't see. He would always place himself in between danger and Don. So Spike is another figure who never coddles Don. So he's like a vampire with a soul adjacent there's a chip you gotta watch it but he's he's a good vampire basically so when he learns that dawn is the key and not technically human these two bond as a vampire who no longer feeds on humans he understands not understanding your place in the world he tells her it doesn't seem to me it matters very much how you start out spike is the one person who truly treats her like an adult from the beginning sharing stories about his past the good and the bad he knew that she could handle the dark parts of the world and that she would have to face them she would have to face these things at some point so there was no there was no point in childproofing it don would also express to him that she liked that he treated her normally and said that she felt safe with him she spent a lot of time in his crypt and on the back of his motorcycle while wearing a football helmet for safety Most of all, Buffy trusted him with Don. After Spike learns that Don is the key, Glory kidnaps him and he's beaten near to death, but he never gives up the information. While the rest of the group tended to treat him like an outcast, Don treated him with respect and he treated her the same. Tara is another important individual that we've mentioned um, in Don's life. In the beginning, these two bonded over being outsiders. Tara was new to the group and would make jokes that no one understood. And so did Don. Tara was attacked by Glory because of Don's role as the key, and Don felt responsible and heartbroken when this happened. After Buffy's death, Tara takes on the role as like a stepmother for Don, moving into the house to take care of her. She saw Don as a woman coming into her own, but someone who still needed protection and kindness. And even after her relationship with Willow ended, she still made sure to spend time with Don. And it's Dawn who finds Tara's corpse after she dies and stays with her so she wouldn't be alone. She was deeply affected by Tara's death as, like we said, she viewed her as a mother figure. And then finally, there is Glory slash Ben. Glory is Dawn's biggest enemy. At first, Glory sees Dawn as a minor annoyance and then then as a way to get information about the key. Dawn was fearful but curious of, of Glory and used her to learn more about where she came from. This was reckless but very brave. As Dawn gets the info that she's looking for, but almost dies in the process. To Glory, Dawn is the means to an end. She doesn't care that Dawn is a kid. It's not her problem. She just wants to go home. Ben, on the other hand, meets the Summers family at their lowest point when Joyce is making frequent hospital trips and only getting worse. Ben tries to cheer up Dawn by making her hot chocolate. As they talk, she told him about her identity as the key. Shocked by the realization, Ben warned Dawn to leave before he transformed into Glory. He tried to protect her a few times, but he just wasn't strong enough. How did the audience see Dawn? Hi, I'm the audience. And I once went to a screening of the musical and there's a line where Dawn sings, does anybody even notice? Does anybody even care? And the whole audience, myself included, yells no after each refrain. It's kind <laughs> of amazing. Because it's like, how did I mean, we she's all... fictional character, so it's okay. But, but like, how did we all know? Like, all of us were like, no. It was very, very funny. And that's how I knew that other people felt the same way. Like, Dawn was not a fan favorite. Years after the show, feeling the feeling of anger towards Dawn still remains. If you ask any diehard fan or read any Buffy message board, Dawn's name will come up. She also frequently tops lists like most annoying television character ever. In an article titled, Hey Buffy Fans, Dawn Was Not the Worst, written for Vice by Sarah Hagee, Hagee makes a very good argument for why we should cut Dawn some slack. The most common complaint of Dawn 
is that she's annoying. And so Hagee says, yes, Dawn is annoying as hell, but how could she not be? Let's contextualize this. She's a prepubescent tween and her sister is a vampire slayer. Have you ever been a little sister? You're trying to form an identity while trying const- while constantly being reminded of what a grown woman should be. You're stuck in a place between feeling resentful and feeling admiration, and all your feelings are amplified by a lot of hormones. While Don made many mistakes that anyone would have made at that age, they're amplified by the element of danger. For example, when an, when an old high school bully turned vampire comes to the house to kill Buffy, she finds Don, Xander, and Anya playing the game of life. Xander makes fun of this vampire, not taking her seriously at all. And after she throws a nasty insult his way, Don says, well, yeah, why don't you come inside and say that to our faces? Dumb. Very dumb. But also juvenile. Yeah. Yeah, you don't invite vampires into your you house. Don't. That's she rule number one. Better, but she's also like 14 at this point. Right. And sometimes like you say those things as a turn of phrase more mm-hmm. like with the with the counselor, like, oh, I wish no one would ever leave me. It mm-hmm. wasn't like I wish you would actually make this come true. It's just yeah. sort of like a hope. So like, yeah, why don't you come in here and say it to our faces? It's like, girl, you don't invite a vampire in. But also like if you're being challenged... You might want to fight back and maybe you pick the wrong words. Yes. Other complaints about Donner that she materialized out of nowhere. Hi, it's me. I was very confused, but, <laughs> uh, you know, I just kept watching and then mm-hmm. I, I got where it was, yeah. but I was like, mm, I don't know. I'll get to that. <laughs> People felt bamboozled by this. Like, I mean, honestly, at the end of the day, we do say like, you know, get over it. It was a great plot. It was great writing. And in hindsight, there were actually clues to Dawn's appearance, but the point of creating her was to be caught off guard, right? Like I didn't, I was caught off guard. Mm -hmm. I don't say like, I dislike Dawn because of that. There are people you know what that I mean? I think that's do, the difference. And I think it's weird. Cause it's like, it was a writing choice. Like I remember watching it in real time. Like this was before, things were on demand like you just had to be watching it and i remember watching the episode and like when they reveal her it is literally the last two minutes of the episode if if that like it might be seconds and it's like what the fuck like you're completely confused i'm sure there was like an internet to go to like a message board but i think i might have been too young to be like on any message boards but it was just like now i have to sit here with the week and try and figure out what the hell i just saw well that's true too that was my difference i could just click to the next episode and be like what yeah no i was just more confused than like it but it didn't cause me to dislike her character no if anything it made me super curious and interested it's like okay has she been here this whole time how did Where, we miss this? How did we what miss this? It, yeah. Like, what, what is this? Is she like a steps? Like, what is this? Explain it to me, please. Mm-hmm. Dawn's in trouble. It must be Tuesday is a line that's uttered by Buffy after the millionth time that she had to save her little sister from some problems that she probably made herself. One Reddit user named Pins and Balloons said, Buffy is such a powerful figure and they are constantly in a state of war. <clears throat> when Dawn's feelings become too much, Dawn acts out. There is also a moral burden placed on her for potentially, usually, getting getting into trouble, which means Buffy is distracted and Dawn could be the cause of someone losing their life. Anya is one of those people hurt when Dawn acts out and she ends up in the hospital. Yeah. yeah. Dawn, much like any young teenager, 14, 15 years old, has no filter. And so she's always saying the most raw things that hurt adults' feelings and she doesn't even notice. Many fans think Dawn is responsible for ending Riley and Buffy's relationship, 
But honestly, like, Riley's also pretty low on the favorite list from that show. Yeah, it was a twofer for me. Thanks. Like, Say those things. Why? He's the worst. He's the worst. I, he just seemed kind of pointless. But Yeah. Yes. However, when Dawn shows up, her life is split in more parts than before. That's Buffy. Right. Mm-hmm. Buffy spends most of her time talking about Dawn and she even tags along on dates and romantic moments. Buffy blows Riley off for Slayer training because this additional responsibility of caring for Dawn ate into the little free time she had. And without Buffy, Riley loses his way and becomes a background character. Wow. Mm-hmm. Wow. <laughs> he doesn't really have a reason to stay, so he leaves. Goodbye. He wasn't strong enough of a person to not be number one, two, or even three in Buffy's life. Is that Don's fault? Of course not. But that is a factor for some people, apparently. Yes. The way that Don affects Buffy is another thing that people hate. Don becomes one of Buffy's greatest weaknesses. Don becomes like bait once a week, forcing Buffy to run all over town looking for her, risking her life to save Don. But the dynamic of older, younger sisters also paints Buffy in a bad light. Buffy, even though she's a teenager, had to grow up quickly. She's super mature. But when it comes to Dawn, she comes off as a mean older sister. Buffy wears many hats and taking on the role of a mother was not one she did well. Not at first and not one that she should have had to really. Mm -mm. Uh, Buffy slides from being negligent to overbearing until she's able to find her footing. But again... You're talking about like 20-year-olds taking care of 15-year-olds or whatever. When she's like trying to have her own life. And like a big problem with the series or a big point of conflict was that Buffy never just got to have a regular life. Anytime she had something that was close to regular, some demon would come and ruin it. So like now she's got even less of a regular life because she has to like take care of this kid on top of things. Yeah, it's not the kid's fault. No, of course not. It's the dad's fault. Hank Summers just like missing in action. But like, that's the point of the show. There's conflict. (laughs) So my personal reason for disliking Dawn, which I have gotten over. I've gotten over it, I swear. I haven't directly seen this anywhere, but I'm sure that most people out there may have thought of it. I just feel like Dawn is wildly ungrateful. Buffy sacrificed so much for her, her time, her friends, even her life. When she's brought back to life, she hates it so much that she considers taking her own life to make the pain go away. When money is tight or non-existent, she doesn't sell the house. It's the only place that Dawn has ever known and it has memories of their mom. She gets this terrible fast food job where she's literally miserable. And But it helps her put food on the pay- table. I mean, it is fast food and Dawn scoffs at it. Like, Buffy worked really hard to get that food and Dawn like, can't be bothered to like eat it. Outside of the job, Buffy's going through a really hard time. And all that Dawn can see is that Buffy isn't around for her. I get that being a teenager is about being selfish, so I've forgiven her. But at the time, those were the things that really grinded my gears. Yeah, and I can see that because, you know, I think just because a character isn't likable doesn't mean it's a bad character, right? Like, she's going to annoy you. Mm -hmm. She's meant to annoy you. That is part of her purpose is to be that sort of thorn in the side of Buffy's experience. But... You can't have her just be like, oh, yay, we're besties now. Like, let me be the same level as everyone else in the Scooby. Like, she shows up out of freaking nowhere. And what do we do with this? Right? Like, yeah, I get it. Yeah, teenagers are that way. Uh, My students just finished reading a book about this kid who crosses the border. 
Um, he'd been living in the U.S. His family got deported and now he's crossing the border back himself so he can mm. finish school. Um, and he's just so dumb. Like <laughs> he takes off without the coyote. He does like he's very impatient. Mm-hmm. He he like runs when he's dehydrated at one point. Like and you're just like you want to reach through the pages and shake him. But you mm-hmm. also understand he's a 15, 16 year old kid and he's dumb. Yeah, they're just dumb. (laughs) They're just dumb and reckless. All right, so let's think about like a little bit beyond this big reputation, right? How did Dawn see herself? Well, in the beginning, she sees herself as a victim, right? She's overshadowed by her sister and her sister can do no wrong. You know, Buffy's a famous vampire slayer and Dawn is unimpressed, just like any younger sister would be, mm-hmm. let's be honest. Uh, she feels that she's in the shadow of this perfect person who makes her feel like an outsider in the group. And honestly, this makes sense. Since she wasn't human, she might have felt a little bit off. When Dawn's life gets turned upside down, it all happens very quickly. And change is hard, even for the most well-adjusted adult. So, like, picture it at 14. She learns that she's not human and that all her memories are fake. Her mother gets sick and spends months in and out of the hospital. Not only are you not human, you are made to destroy the world and die while doing it. That is a lot to deal with. And that's only year one of her life. (laughs) According to Dr. David Rock, author of the handbook of neuroleadership, not knowing what will happen next is is unsettling for humans and can be can be debilitating because it requires an additional neural energy. Our brains have to work hard to process the unexpected. But when your brain is still growing, any changes can be devastating. Dom was feeling out of control and overwhelmed and didn't have the coping skills to roll with the punches. One way she does cope, though, is by stealing. According to researchers, some people steal as a way to fill emotional holes. In some cases, a person who suffered an early attachment loss or trauma may steal to compensate. And while that doesn't make it okay, it does make it a little bit easier to understand, again, especially in the fictional world. Yeah. Dawn is grieving and her basic emotional needs are not being met. In an attempt to fill an emotional hole left behind by a parent or caregiver, a child may compulsively steal to resolve feelings of deprivation. Unfortunately, the stealing doesn't resolve the issue, so the individual steals more and more. Dawn was lacking in the way of a solid support system. Her acting out, I mean, it kind of made sense. So let's talk about Dawn and her grieving. Let's start from the beginning, beginning. So her dog, her her dog. He's a dog. Basically. (laughs) Her dad, Hank Summers, notably absent, seemingly a deadbeat dad, right? The last time Buffy spent time with him was in season two when she went to LA for the summer. Since Dawn was placed into her memories, we'll assume that they both went. Okay. Not having a father around can bring up feelings of abandonment and feelings of being unwanted. Perhaps Dawn was feeling both of those for years, but at least she had her mother and her sister to lean on. Buffy also disappears once before after a heartbreaking battle and Joyce's very bad reaction to learning that her daughter is a vampire slayer. Buffy ran away from home. Again, this is before Dawn was Dawn, but if she has those memories, she would be loaded with abandonment fears. Dawn loses her mother and then Buffy within months of each other, followed by Giles' return to England. So many emotional holes... Time to fill them with stealing and acting out. Everything you can grab. Not only is Dawn grieving, but she also has guilt. Many people were hurt in Glory's quest to track her down as the key. Spike was tortured. Tara's brain was sucked and her sanity was damaged. Dawn was greatly affected and she blamed herself for all the harm that Glory caused to the people of Sunnydale. 
She tells Spike, I'm like a lightning rod for pain and hurt, and everyone around me suffers and dies. I must be something so horrible to cause so much pain and evil. Dawn also had to deal with her sister sacrificing and dying in her place, and all, and all the lives that were lost in Sunnydale without a slayer in charge. And while we're on the topic, Dawn realized that in order to save her life, save the world, she must die. She's a teen who has been difficult to be around up to this point, but she doesn't turn and run. She opts to sacrifice herself to save the world. It's the most adult thing that anyone had done that season, and it's forgotten a little bit too quickly. She deserves props. Speaking of growing up and finding a place, Dawn's further mistakes are just that, right? They're just mistakes. They're only heightened by the proximity of the Hellmouth. You know, her first kiss was with someone who didn't deserve it. And, you know, who also happened to be a vampire. Take away the fangs and then tell us that this hasn't happened to you or someone you know. Her first crush caused her to almost end her life, but there was a powerful love spell at the center of it all, right? So, like, maybe she would have had this crush and been disappointed and been sad, but under the powerful love spell, like, it's amplified, right? You know, you could say she should have known better, but what does knowing anything mean to a teenager, right? Like you have to go through the experience to learn. Mm -hmm. And again, even though she had those memories planted in her head, she didn't have like the muscle memory for a lot of these like survival tactics. Yeah. I feel like Dawn really like learns. She learns and she transforms over the years from a selfish tween to someone who's willing to put her pride aside for the greater good. When Dawn thought she was a potential slayer, she fought to teach and protect her classmate Amanda from a vampire that was attacking them while they were at school. When she learns that it wasn't her, she wasn't the chosen one, she stepped, she stepped back and let Amanda, the actual slayer, take the lead and kill her first vampire. She takes, she takes Giles' place as junior watcher and understands that everyone has a part to play. No one person is less important. The point is to work together and save the world a lot. All right. So final thoughts, takeaways. I feel like Dawn redeemed herself before the show even ended. I feel like season seven was like her redemption her. arc. Yeah. And I, I think that people who still hate her are, are boring. Um, I think that <laughs> Dawn's only real crime is acting her age while being thrust into a world full of demons, witches and vampires. If you have watched the show, Buffy did some really dumb things when she was Dawn's age too. When she was like 16, 17, mm -hmm. she did some really dumb things that she shouldn't have done. And it's the same thing. Like make out with vampires. Yes. <laughs> I mean, we'll forgive her for that because that's one of the greatest love stories in the whole wide world. <laughs> so I am one of the people who at the time found Dawn annoying when she first showed up, but I never wished her harm. I'm also an only child, so I didn't get the whole big sis little sis energy i would have just ignored her for years if i were buffy like <laughs> that's definitely not how sisters work but okay <laughs> I, I mean i would have just been like this bitch is annoying mom handle it like i wouldn't have dealt with it at all um i do think that the hate on dawn should be canceled out by how helpful she was in later seasons things happen that make me not like spike but i love the relationship that her that him and dawn have they respect each other they trust each other and it's really genuine plus we get the best nicknames he calls her Bite size one, little bit, niblet, and sweet bit. It's very, very cute. So I didn't watch Buffy until I was in my 30s. So I didn't get caught up in like fandom opinions of her. I was just watching it sort of in a vacuum, right? Um, so Dawn never bothered me. But I do remember, like I said before, being very lost when she showed up. I was like, wait, did I miss a season? Did Netflix skip something? <laughs> like, what is happening? 
But I think there is something to the fact that she was a young teenager when Buffy was older, right? The audience for the show had grown up as Buffy had grown up. And now they were looking at someone else having to figure their shit out and was maybe like, come on, we know better. Why doesn't Dawn, Mm -hmm. right? So I can get why audiences would have struggled with her. But like you said before, it was good writing and it just helped keep the story fresh. So let's talk about some resources and references if you're looking to get more information into the Buffy world. Why Buffy the Vampire Slayer Fans Hated Dawn by James Hunt. Hey Buffy fans, Dawn Was Not the Worst by Sarah Hagee. And Buffyverse Wiki at Buffy.fandom.com. Slayer is a Buffyverse story. So it's an audiobook series. It's a spinoff from the original Buffy the Vampire Slayer story. It was written by Christopher Golden and Amber Benson. She plays Tara and she's like a fantastic writer. She's got like four or five other um, sci-fi books. Awesome. Um, so it's a brand new series. If you're looking to get into it, um, it's on Audible. It actually came out on the 5th. I wonder if that's something that will be through Libby as well. Or if I it wonder. Doesn't, I, don't, I haven't done my research It's more like an audio it. drama than a book. It is, yeah. So, I mean, I'm probably just going to pay for it. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> it's got all the... It's got all the original voice actors. I mean, like not like Sam Michelle Gellar's on it, but basically everyone else like Anthony Stewart and Anthony Stewart head is in it. Like it's got all of them. Tony, as they call him. Tony. <laughs> That's too formal. I respect him. I'm going to call him Anthony. Um, and, you know, if you're more of a visual learner, just go watch the show. All the seasons of Buffy the Vampire Slayer are available on Hulu. And if you want... If you're in the New York City area, I can lend you my DVDs and then we can talk about it. We can listen to the commentary together. Nice. (laughs) So let us know what you thought of this episode. Do you have anything to add to the conversation that we might have left out? Or do you have any suggestions for women we should cover in the future? Follow the podcast on Twitter at Big Rep Pod and Instagram and TikTok at Big Reputations Pod. Send us a message or email us at BigReputationsPod at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Subscribe to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or Google Podcasts, or wherever else you get your podcasts. Share us with your friends, your family, or your Scooby gang. Subscribe and leave a five-star review. Check out our Big Reputations merch. The link is in the show notes as well as in our Linktree link found on all our social media platforms. Be sure to take a picture and tag us when you make a purchase. And remember, we have a Patreon now. Patreon.com slash BigReputationsPod, or just check out the link in our link tree. Whether you pledge 2 or $5, you will get a shout-out in our episodes. And if you choose the $5 level, you'll have exclusive access to our Little Reputations episode, short mini-episodes about amazing women throughout history. Next up, someone very contemporary, Elizabeth Olsen. Stick around after the episode where we'll share a teaser from that Little Rep episode. All right, let's wrap this episode up, Kim. What quote do you have for us this time? So this quote, Dawn said it second, but I think she said it best. The hardest thing in this world is to live in it. Facts. And as always, believe women. Grr, hard. Um, So she was born February 16th, 1989 in Sherman Oaks, California. Sherman Oaks is a neighborhood in Los Angeles. It's kind of near the San Fernando Valley. So Olson's parents were Journey and Dave Olson. Her mother was a dancer and her father is a real estate agent and they had four children together. The couple divorced in 1996 and Dave remarried and had two more children. So Elizabeth's siblings include her older brother, Trent, older sisters, Ashley and Mary Kate, and half-siblings Courtney and Jake.